You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. We are in our third week of our series, Uphill Habits. Uphill Habits. And and here's kind of the premise behind this uh, series. It's this idea that we all have uphill hopes, but we have downward habits. And so the goal is that our habits, that we can begin to produce habits in our lives that help us reach those hopes and, and those, um, those things that, that, that we desire for our lives. And so uh, the first week, the, um, the first week, uh, habit number one was to uh, focus on what you do first, focus on what you do first. And, and everyone has a list of things that they have a priority that has number one priority, and that we need to focus on what we put first. Not everything is created equally. And this idea that, that to learn to put God, God first. Last week, we talked about habit number two was controlling our thoughts, controlling the way that we think. And I'm excited about uh, this week, uh, number three. But before we get into what habit number three is, I want to read to you what really is our theme verse for our series this morning. And it's found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And it says this. It'll be on the screen. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Well, that'll preach right there. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. Hey, if you get nothing else this morning, please know that God brings the best out of you. That God wants to draw the best out of you. God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. And so this idea that, that God can draw out habits. If we, if, we, if we allow God to, he wants to draw these habits out so that you and I, we can uh, be all that God wants us and has created us to be. And so uh, before we jump in, I want to pray, and then we will get started. So let's pray one more time. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come here on a Sunday morning, God, and and, and to hang out with one another and, and, and to just worship you, Father. God, I pray right now that uh, you would speak through me. God, you know what each and every person in this room is going through. God, and you know that there's no possible way that I can speak to every concern, every hurt, everything, but I know you can, Holy Spirit. And so right now I pray that you would just speak through me, that what you have to say and what you want to say, that it would fall on good ground. God, we want to leave change. We, no one came here because they have an extra hour to be at church. No one came here to miss the Niners play this morning. Hey, God, we we want to leave changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
So I just, last Saturday, I just celebrated my 28th birthday. And uh, yeah, woo, come on, yeah. And God is good, come on. And, and I just celebrated my 28th birthday last, last Saturday. And I don't, what I'm learning in life is this, that as you get older, your birthdays are horrible. It's true. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. So, so uh, remember when you were a kid and it was your birthday and like the whole day was about you. You got the party. You got, you got mom and dad to serve you. Do it. You didn't have to go to school. Like birthdays were amazing back in the day. But as you get older, uh, <laughs> the quality of your birthday just kind of goes downhill. <laughs> And, um, and, and so I've, I've come to this realization that, that my birthday is just, it is what it is. You know, um, I guess my next big birthday is 50. And so, you know, I have some time there being that I'm 28. And, um, and, and, and so, so I'm getting somewhere with this, I promise. And so, um, so, so, so this, this idea that, that birthdays, like it's just, they're, they're not that, that great. And, um, and so even gift giving, when you're older, like you don't get many gifts, if any, right? You get cards. Who wants just a card? <laughs> Let's just be real. Come on. Uh, and, and, and so like I, my birthday was last week and uh, we went to my parents' house for, uh, for dinner. And uh, I do want to say my, my, my wife and my kids, they did a great job of just Trying their best, and um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm grateful. Um, but we went to my parents' house last week for dinner to celebrate my birthday, and um, maybe this is just me, but I am not good at faking, like the surprise look of a gift that you get. Is that just me? Like some people. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Some people are really good, right? Like you can give them something that's like nothing and they're like, I've always wanted this. And you believe them. I don't have that ability. Like since I was little, like my face tells it all. And so we're at my parents' house and my mom, she, she's always done this. She tries to trick us by putting a gift in a box that is a box of something that like you really don't want, right? And so, so she, gave it, she gave me this box and I'm like, oh. You know, because as an adult, you kind of, anyways, so she gave me the box, and, and, I, and I opened it, uh, I, I let my kids open it, actually, my kids un unwrapped it, because they wanted to, I didn't have a choice, and, um, and so, so they open it, and, and we take it off, and it's a filing, file uh, folder box, and I'm like, that's just how it is, I'm accepting it, right? And, and, but, but I knew, like, she's always trying to do, like, this trickery thing. And so, so I, I open that up, and I, and I take it off like I'm expecting, I don't know what I'm expecting. I'm not expecting what's in there, though. Um, and I open it up, and in there is this wallet. That's a, it's an Iron Man Marvel cartoon character wallet. And instantly, I'm like, Thanks. And in that moment, I, I, in that moment, I'm just like, 
disappointed, you know? But something said to me, look inside of the wallet. Come on. Come on, when you're a man of faith. (laughs) And so something said, look inside that wallet. And I went and I opened it up. We got cast, (laughs) y'all. I was like, ah. And it's amazing how I went from, to celebrating how it went from the worst day of my life, just a little bit of exaggeration, to all of a sudden just being amazing. All because I found a new worth in that wallet. Here's what I'm getting at this morning. This idea that, that it's amazing how when you understand the worth of something, how you begin to change the way that you look at it and how you use it. That when you understand the worth of something, that you begin to look at it differently. See, I think the same is true, that same principle, it works all throughout life. The things that you hold worth, you look at it differently. I think it works with your actions, the way you treat people. But I also think, and this is what we're talking about this morning, that it's also true with the words that you use. See, I believe that your worth, your words have worth. I believe that when you can give worth to your words, something happens. That, there's, that, that, that your words have a value. Actually, the author in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, he, he, he gives us really this idea of why our words are worth so much. And, and I believe we have it on the screen. It says this, what you say can preserve life or destroy it. Wow. So the reason our words have worth is really because our words have power. And the reason that our words have power is because they have the ability to preserve life or destroy life. Just think about that. Think about the words that you use on a day-to-day basis towards other people, maybe your kids, your spouse. Think about the words that you tell yourself. And that this idea that your words have power because within your words they have the power to preserve life. Or destroy life. See, and I think that when you understand that your words have worth because they have power, because they can preserve life or destroy life, I think that when you understand that, you're less likely to use your words carelessly. That when you understand that your words have worth, you're less likely to frivolously just use them however you want. Because you understand, wait, what, my words actually, they have worth. My, my words actually have power. Everything that I say, it can preserve life or destroy it. And so that's what our, our habit number three is this morning, if you're taking notes and if you didn't guess it already. Habit number three is to give worth to your words. Give worth to your words. Give worth to your words. So not only uh, do your words, or excuse me, let's, let's continue reading in, in Proverbs 18 and verse 21. 
So, so the author says your, your words, what you say, can preserve life or destroy. And, and here's the second part of it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. So your words, they preserve life or they destroy life. But no matter how you use it, there's consequences to the way that you use your words. There's consequences to the words that you choose, the, the words that you hold value to. So not only do your words have power, but you and I are held accountable to the words that we use by having to live with the consequences that those words that we use produce. Just think about that for a second. Let that sink in. The words that you use, you and I were held accountable to those words because we have to live with the consequences that those words form and have. And so if that's the case, if everything that I say has consequences, then I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that these consequences, that they don't only affect other people, but they benefit me as well. Right? I think there's this idea that consequences are, are kind of a bad thing, but consequences are just really results. And so that if my consequences, or if the words that I choose have consequences, I want the words that I choose to not only preserve life for someone else, but to preserve life for me as well. Come on, I want to get in on that blessing too. And so, so the question then becomes, how do we do that? How do we, how do we give worth to our words? How, how, do we, how do we make sure that the words that we speak end up preserving life rather than destroying life? Well, I think Jesus uh, is amazing for many reasons, but specifically because he, 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 he helps us see behind the curtain a little bit in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, and I want to give you the setup before we read it, read the verse. And, and so here's Jesus. He's hanging out with his disciples. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, religious teachers and religious leaders, they come to Jesus and they're livid. They're angry. They're upset. And, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, your disciples are evil. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? And, and, and these religious leaders, these religious teachers, they say, Jesus, your disciples are evil because they do not wash their hands before they eat. Hey, come on, German foes. <laughs> You're like, that is evil. <laughs> They, they, they said, Jesus, your disciples are, are breaking the law because they are not washing their hands before they eat. And what we need to understand in regards to the context of what they're talking about is that during this time, the Jewish custom would be before they ate a meal that, that had bread, that they would take this, this little jar and they would start with their right hand and they would pour it twice in the right hand, and they would have their fingers spread so the water would, would flow in between their, their fingers, and then they would pour twice on their left hand. And, and this was, it had less to do with cleanliness, but more to do with remembering um, how, uh, how Aaron and, and the priest would go and, and give an, an 
offering and placing it on the altar. And so it was more of like a familiarity thing than anything else. And, and so, so these, these, these religious leaders and these uh, religious teachers, they're, 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 they're mad at Jesus or they're mad at his disciples for not washing their hands. And they're saying to Jesus, don't you know that this is defilement, that this is a defilement, that th- what they're doing is defiling them. And I love Jesus' answer to them. And this is in verse uh, 10, chapter 15, verse 10. And it says this, Then Jesus called to the crowd to come here. And he said, Listen, try to understand that it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but you are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And so within these two verses, Jesus is establishing this idea that there is power and there is worth in your words. In, this, in this, these two verses, Jesus is letting us know, hey, that what, you, that what comes out of your mouth has the potential to defile things around you, to destroy things around you. Hey, that's interesting because that's kind of like our verse. That the words that you say, the words that you speak, they can preserve life or they can destroy life. And Jesus, he goes on in verse 17, and he says this. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. Let's just pause right there. (laughs) Jesus is talking about what you think he's talking about. Jesus just made a poop reference. In his message. So anything that you eat passes through the stomach, then goes into the sewer. But, and this is verse 18, but the words you speak come from the heart. The words that you speak come from the heart. And so in this moment, Jesus is, he's peeling back the secret to how you and I can give worth to our words. And he says that if you want to learn how to give worth to your words, it all starts with the heart. Now that Greek word uh, for heart is the word cardia, but a lot of scholars believe that, that really the, the, the point of what Jesus is trying to, to say and to make is, is that at this, not just the, the, the heart as the organ, but this idea that deep down inside the center of who you are lies what controls your words. That your words and the worth of your words and your ability to preserve life or destroy life, it has to do with what's going on on the inside of you and of me. That kind of changes the game, doesn't it? Because now I can't just try to control my words, but I got to do some inner healing inner working. So I got to get something done inside in order for for me to speak words that preserve life. See, really words are an 
um, outward expression of what's going on inside. And that's why people that have been hurt a lot, people that, 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 that have been uh, talked down to all their life, those are the people that are continuously continuing the cycle. That's why people that are hurting, that are broken, those are the ones that, that are going to be the ones that are more willing to, to lash out on you. Because it's not, because it's something that's happening on the inside of them. That's why when they lash out on you, you don't want to just be like, oh, bless you, brother. You want to go back after them. You want to clap back. Because why? Because they're now just, they're messing up the inside of you. And it's a cycle. And so this morning, what I want us to do with, with our remaining moments together is I want to give you three things that, that you and I, that we can put inside of our hearts, that we can fill our hearts up with so that it can affect the way that we use our words and the way that we speak. Does that sound good? And so uh, this morning, I'm going to give you three things that, that we first have to remove and then three things that we can replace it with. So here's number one for all you note takers. The first thing is that we have to remove fear. We have to remove fear. I think that if we were honest this morning and we took an examination of our hearts, a lot of us, the foundation of what we've built everything on is fear. This idea of, of being fearful. And, and we all experience fear in a different way. Some of us, we experience fear and it prevents us from ever stepping out and stepping forward. Some of us, we, we experience fear and, and we mask it with, with toughness and, and being strong. But no matter how you mask fear, fear is fear. And, and when, when we're full of fear on the inside, not only does it affect the way that we think and the way that we act, but it also affects the way that we talk. See, when your heart is full of fear, it's very easy for you to begin to use words that, that uh, reflect that fear inside of, inside of you. I can never do that. It sounds like that. I can never do that. I will never, I will never be able to do that. I will always be A. I can never do fill in the blank. I can never live up to what God has for me. I'm too afraid to step out in fill in the blank. And all of a sudden, because there's worth in our words, and that worth is power, and that power is that idea of preserving life or destroying life, because of that, we begin to, to use words that tear us down. And then again, we can lash out on other people as well because of the fear inside of us. Because if I can never, that means you can never. If I will never reach my goals, and I'm telling you right now, you will never reach your goals. And we allow these things to just percolate in our hearts. And so we have to be able to remove the foundation of fear in our lives. And here's how we do it. We remove fear and we replace it 
with faith. We remove fear and we replace it with faith. See, I love that, that faith and fear, they cannot coexist. Because as long as you have fear, you can never fully trust God. And if you fully trust God, you can never truly fear. And so if you can get to that place where you can remove the fear from your life, I think the author of Hebrews says it best in Hebrews chapter 11. This is out of the message translation. And it says this, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that we make life worth living. That the, that the foundation of our faith is our ability to trust God in everything that we do. And I love this idea that, that, that faith, when we build, I'm, let me say it this way, I'm convinced that if we can build a foundation of faith, this idea that we trust God in the moment, no matter what it is, and if we can build our life on top of that foundation, I think you'll be in good shape. I think that I will be in good shape. If we can get to that place where the foundation of our life, of our inner being is not fear, but it's faith. And here's the great thing about faith is that, and this is another translation of the verse that we just read, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that means that you can have faith even in the midst of situations that you don't see the result that you're looking for. You can still in faith trust God that he's coming through that with that breakthrough that you're needing, even if you don't see it in the moment. Because that's faith. That's faith. Whereas fear will tell you, no, look at your situation. Look at what you're going through. It's not going to happen. And fear is driven by what's in front of you. Is what you see. Faith is really aligning your sight with what God sees and how God sees it. I love the story that we see in uh, in Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 8, it's of Jesus and his disciples. They're on their cruise ship, and the disciples, they're above deck. Jesus, he's, he's sleeping below deck. And the storm, the Bible says that the, storm, the storms come. And in the midst of the storm, the disciples, they're up top, and they're panicking. They're freaking out. They're like, we're going to drown. What's happening? They're freaking out. You could read this, Matthew chapter 8, if you don't believe me. And, and, and they're freaking out. And Jesus, while they're, they're, they're scared and they're living in fear, Jesus is on the inside of the boat. Keyword, inside. He's inside of the boat, sleeping. Not even stressing. Not even worried. He's just out. And the, and the disciples, they have this great idea. They're like, hey, let's go wake Jesus up. So they go down to the boat, and they're like, Jesus, wake up. We're going to die. Our, our ship is going to sink. And Jesus wakes up, and the first thing that he says, he says, oh, ye of little faith, or oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? 
Jesus is on the inside of the boat. And he says to his disciples, why do you have such little faith? Why are you afraid? I'm here. I am here. Listen, I don't know who this is for this morning, but whatever your situation is, as long as Jesus is on the inside, come on. As long as Jesus is on the inside, if the guy that can calm the storm is not afraid of the storm, then you don't have to be afraid of the storm either. And that doesn't happen when you build your foundation on fear, but when you build it on faith. Come on, we remove fear. We replace it with faith. I got to keep going. These next ones are going to be a little shorter. Number two, the second thing that we got to remove is resentment. Resentment. I, I wrote down the definition of resentment. To dislike or be angry at something or someone because you've been hurt or you think you haven't been treated fairly. Guys, I am on the third week of my social media fast. Like, I have not been on social media for, whatever, easy for you, right? Like, you do it. <laughs> and, and so, like, I, I'm, and it's crazy because I've realized that, especially Instagram, like, I would look at pictures of Instagram people, and, and I would just be like, Ugh. right? Like, I have these, these friends that, that I need forgiveness for, but, but these friends are posting pictures, and they're like, oh, this is our third time in Fiji. Hashtag blessed, right? Like, I'm like, Ugh. And I'm getting angry at them. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, but God, I am your servant. I am giving your word every Sunday and I am nourishing people spiritually, God, and I have not been to Fiji once. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like the insides of me, like my, my, the inside, it just begins to, I get a whole bunch of resentment towards people. And what I've noticed is that it begins to dictate my speech. Because now all of a sudden, I speak words of jealousy. All of a sudden, my words are, are of anger and bitterness. Come on, sometimes my words, all of a sudden, they become words of, 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 uh, of what is that, gossiping. Of like, hey, babe, you see these people? They, come on, I'm being real. And resentment kicks in. And, in it, and it, it begins to fit. And here's the thing about resentment is that it really clouds your heart. Resentment clouds your heart. And then all of a sudden, if, if, our, if the words that we speak come from the inside, our inside's clouded with resentment, and then all of a sudden our words, they, they, they have worth and they have power, but, but rather than using our words to preserve life, they destroy life, and, and all of a sudden we're in trouble. And so, so we have to remove resentment from our heart, and we replace it with this, forgiveness. Now, forgiveness not because someone hurts you. Listen, I know we've all been hurt. We all have been hurt by people. And, but, but I'm not talking about those people coming to forgive you. Though that's good. We need it. 
But I'm talking about forgiveness where you can go up to someone and say, hey, listen, I need to ask you for forgiveness because I was holding a lot of stuff in my heart towards you. Can you forgive me, please? See, I think we always want forgiveness. I don't think we always show forgiveness. And I think that when we can fill our hearts with this idea of forgiveness, this, this idea that, hey, if, if I'm holding something against you, I'm going to go up to you and say, hey, forgive me. I saw your picture in Fiji for the third time. I hated you for a week and I apologize. Here, here's what uh, a verse in, uh, let's see, where are my notes? In Mark chapter 11, I don't have this on the screen, but it says this, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. Wow. What? So they don't have to come and ask, no, you go to them. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I think that's key. Is that God forgiving us is a byproduct of how we forgive others. Wow, John, that's not too feel good. I know. But I can only tell you what's in the Bible. So we've got to learn to forgive. We've got to learn to fill our hearts with forgiveness. That he would soften our hearts so that that cloudiness would leave. And that we can go up to people and ask them for forgiveness. For things that we've held in our hearts and in our minds towards them. And I think God will do something in the midst of that. And here's the third one, the third and final one. That we would remove pride. Remove arrogance. Pride or arrogance, whichever you Come on, choose your own adventure. Remember those books? Choose your own adventures. That we would remove pride and arrogance. Remove pride and arrogance. This idea that everything I have is because of me. Everything that I own is because I worked hard for it. Yes, that's true. You did work hard. Congratulations. But who gave you breath? Hey. We, we, we walk around and we think that what we have and everything that we do and everything that, that, we, that we worked hard for is, is because of me and because of what I've done. And, and No, no, it's not because of you. It's because of God. It's because what he's doing in your life. It's because of the air that he's breathing in your lungs. It's because the ability that you have to move your arms and your legs and to see and to talk. That has nothing to do with you or, or, or me or, or what we do. But everything, that has to do with everything because of who good and how great God is. And so, so when we have pride and when we have arrogance in our hearts, it's, it changes the way that we talk. This idea that if I was able to do this, why can't you do that? If I was able to, to reach this place, so can you. Why can't you? And what I really think arrogance and pride does is that it removes compassion in our hearts for other people. It removes compassion, this idea that we can have compassion towards 
And, and so we remove compassion and we replace it with this, humility. Humility, and this is the last verse and we're done. James chapter four and verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I think this is one of the most powerful verses in all of scripture because it literally makes no sense. It makes no sense. The author, he's saying, hey, God, like you will be lifted up. Not when you make yourself big, but when you learn to make yourself small. See, that is so counterculture. See, because culture tells you, no, you got to make yourself big. If you want respect, you got to make yourself big. If you want to make it in this world, you got to make yourself big. If you want that promotion, you got to make yourself big. And scripture here, James, the author of this letter, he's saying that's false. That's not true. You work hard, yes, we got to work hard. But, but it's this idea that when we can learn to make ourselves small, and this is, the, this is really the picture that I see, when we can learn to make ourselves small and humble ourselves before God, that He does something in our hearts and He does something in our lives and though we're posturing ourselves lowly, that God is lifting you up. That when you can posture yourself low, when you can posture yourself in the humility of saying, God, I can do nothing without you. When we can do that, when we can humble ourselves and lay ourselves low, I believe in that moment, God lifts us up and those situations that are blocking us from moving forward, God moves. ourselves before the Lord. He will lift us up in honor. God wants to do something when we can learn to remove pride and replace it with humility. Listen this morning and I'm done. Give your words worth because your words have power. They have power to preserve life. They have power to destroy life. And the way that you can give your words worth is by working on the inside, by removing fear and replacing it with faith, by removing, help me out, what's number two? <laughs> removing resentment, replacing it with forgiveness, and then removing pride and replacing it with humility. Come on, God wants to do something with our words. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.